Hey everyone, this is Craig Horlbeck from the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. Join me, Danny Heifetz, and Danny Kelly every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to help you win your draft, win your league, and most importantly, avoid that last place punishment. Follow the Ringer Fantasy Football Show on Spotify. It's the Ringer's Philly Special presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all in one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive that sets the pace and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that throws you one moment and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Welcome <laughs> to the Ringers Philly Special Benny Pencils Edition. Eagles go down to the Seahawks 2017 in what can only be described as a meltdown. Their third straight loss. You can blame the defense. You can blame the offense. You can blame the coaching. You can blame the personnel decisions. You can blame pretty much anything you want in this game. The team is falling apart. The season is falling apart. Don't tell me what their record is. Don't tell me what their remaining schedule is. You see it with your eyes. You've seen it with your eyes for weeks. What is happening to this team, to this organization? I'm Shil Kapadia, by the way. Uh, ben Solak. <laughs> How are you, my friend? Uh, I appreciate you asking. I hopped on the call pre-record, right? It got in, got in the room in the Zoom, and Cliff hops on the call, and I go, "Hey, Cliff, what's up?" He goes, "Don't ask me how I am. Why are you asking me how I am?" He, go, he goes, "Don't go to me with a question. Don't ask me how I'm doing right now." I, say, I apologize. So I'm 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 doing okay. Cliff's not doing okay. Cliff's fired up. No, no all right. Ben misinterpreted what just happened between us. <laughs> what, what happened was was. He came in asking, how am I doing? Bro, we, me and you, we both diehard Eagles fans. Shill said he, you know, he's no yeah, longer yeah. an Eagles fan. You should know how I'm feeling, bro. I'm not feeling good. That was awful. This is, like, not to be dramatic, but this is a really, really bad loss in my recent Eagles memory history. And I feel horrible. We all feel horrible. I'm, my phone is blowing up right now. I'm getting a million texts. I got, like, three FaceTime groups that want to talk. I'm like, bro, we come to us on the Rangers Philly special. We'll give you the goods, and then you can talk to me after that. So here's the floor, guys. 
There you go. See, he just made the way. Listen, so like, don't be so sensitive. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't coming after you. All right. No, I thought it was, I thought it was funny. We're all good. It's, I um, honestly, yeah, go yeah. ahead. Give me just your first impressions. We'll dig into stuff. I don't know where to start. We didn't organize. I'm still hopped up on the Tylenol cold and sinus. I might just pass out here at some moment, but we will get through this. What are you feeling right now about this uh, football team? 10 plays, 92 yards. They didn't need a timeout. Like Ooh. you, you, Ooh. it, it, the it Drew is, Lock. Don't the forget to, if it was, this wasn't Patrick Mahomes or Josh, Drew Lock. The Drew Lock, which, uh, they, they put up a Kyron. I didn't, I didn't catch the exact uh, uh, stat for it, but the, the Drew Lock game-winning drive, all right? Like, it, uh, first game-winning drive in 1,142 days. That was the Kyron that they put up on, uh, on, uh, 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 on the Monday Night Football broadcast. This player is not supposed to be equipped to achieve this. And the fact that he did is, A, an immediate <laughs> referendum on your defensive coordinator change. <laughs> Right. This is like exactly what I was talking about in the emergency pod, how this game is, whether you wanted to or not, whether righteous, right or not, right, rightful or not, is going to become a referendum on the defensive coordinator change. Where if you do the same stuff that you did earlier this year, which, by the way, the Seattle Seahawks six for 14 on third downs, they converted four third and 10 pluses in this game. All right. If you just immediately are what you were in pass defense. It's it's going to immediately expose that it's the back seven problems, it's the personnel problems. It's not just going to go away magically with a wave of a wand. That's exactly what happened on this ninety-two play drive. You have Adam Schefter before the game tweeting out weird Adam Schefter analysis, like no link, clearly sourced. Please say this Adam nonsense, where he's like, the focus is the pass rush getting better and 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 impacting the game more down to down. Drew Locke, two sacks on the night, was not sacked on that final drive, right? It's, it's a, that is a 10-play drive where you are positive every play is passed. Then you get him down. And so you, your defense is the same thing that it was. And for most of the game, they held the Seattle Seahawks. So 13 points, not a very good quarterback. You know, break up some passes, some tight coverage on DK Metcalf. But then push came to shove and you folded. You wilted. And, and, and to do so is, is such a, a single like moment synopsis, right? It is case in point of why you are not trustworthy in the NFC playoffs. You don't feel like you hold up to Dallas or San Francisco because when push comes to shove, that's what you're going to look like. That's what we come to expect from this defense that the pass rush can't win it and the secondary can't can't hold their water. Third and 10, it's just a prayer to, to DK Metcalf and they can't get that Bradbury's too far behind him. Brown's too slow to the catch point, 40 yard gain. All of a sudden we're in scoring position. Not it, it very clearly like I, there's a lot bad from this game. We got to talk to Brian Johnson. We got to talk to Jalen Hurts. But the top to me is defensively to lose on that drive is very embarrassing. That has to be the headliner, given the way this week played out. And they couldn't just be, a, you know, if you're like you said uh, during our Matt Patricia pot, if you want to be a professional organization and make a confident move because you feel it's in the best interest of your organization, you announce Monday or Tuesday, Sean Desai is fired. Matt Patricia is replacing him. Here's why. And here we go forward. This has happened throughout the NFL this season. This happened with the Steelers and uh, Matt Kitt. I don't need to go through all the examples. This is what teams do when they fire a coordinator. You announce it. You let the guy move on. But this is the Eagles. They can't do that. 
They keep, oh, we're going to sweep this under the rug. And then Sunday morning, we're going to leak this out. Oh, go ahead. Now you guys can report this. Oh, by the way, Desai's not being fired. He's just being moved to the booth. I mean, did they need to have him in the booth with the camera on him? Let, let the man right. just st- sitting, let the man hang out in Bellingham for the week. He does not need to come back or be a part with, of the organization. With four defensive assistants who are all like 22 years old, right? They're like, he's up there with just like, and like, not to disparage those guys, but it's just like, it's a very sad look. It's humiliating. It's very, very sad like humiliating Sean. the guy. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I don't like just be a normal organization. If you want to make a move, make a move. You're allowed to make a move. I think it's stupid. You think it's stupid. We don't think Maddie Pencils is going to make a difference. You watch today. I don't think you think Maddie Pencils uh, is going to make a difference. But they didn't do that. They do this whole, whole weird thing. They'll be sitting up in the booth. Patricia's calling the plays. Wait, but decide. It, literally, during the broadcast, Joe Buck and Trey Aikman had to tiptoe. Well, decide still officially the defensive coordinator. You could just tell through. That's what I like about Buck and Aikman. They're making so much money and have been around for so long. They're able to make fun of stuff like this. And Buck don't and care. Aikman. I was I was pretty solidly anti Fox Buck and Aikman. ESPN uh, Buck and Aikman. New big version. Step up. Big Absolutely. step up. And, and Especially on, Aikman. Early on, yeah. Early on, folks were like, "Oh, they're so much better." I was like, "No, they're not." Like, relax. I gotta swallow the. I gotta take the L on that one. Yeah. yeah. Buck and Aikman having a good time. You could tell they didn't even know how to describe it because they met with Desai during the week. They met with the Kodari. How do we address this during the broadcast? It's so weird. So you do this whole uh, dog and pony show. Is that what it's called? I've never been to one of those. You do this whole dog and pony show, and then you got Matty Pencils on the sideline. Listen, the defense played okay for most of the game. Now you're going against Drew Locke, and you're going against the Seahawks offense, which I thought their game plan for you know, three and three quarters of the game was absolutely absurd. I don't know how you're not trying to target uh, DK Metcalf. Wow, all of a sudden you start throwing a DK Metcalf and look what happened. I mean, you're starting James Bradbury and you're rotating Josh Job, Keely Ringo and Eli Ricks and you're not trying to attack these guys. So I don't know what they were doing offensively, but then push comes to sub, sub, like shove. Push does not come to sub. Push comes to shove. Eight-yard line. You're, you have the Seahawks at their eight-yard line, Benjamin, with, let me see, 152 left. And They've they only one got time one timeout because they screwed themselves on that. And Sirianni <laughs> was talking cash money about it. Yeah. He, he thought, he's like, oh, baby, we pulled one over on, uh, on Pete over there. 152, one timeout left. Like you said, they don't even need to use it. 18 yards, Drew Locke to DK Metcalf. Uh, Drew Lock to Metcalf for six yards on the we uh, we don't know how that pass was completed. It was completed. Drew Lock to DK Metcalf, thirty four yards. Like you said, James Bradbury and Sidney Brown in between those two. Uh, Drew Lock to Jackson Smith and Jigba, twenty nine yard touchdown, back right corner of the end zone with twenty eight seconds left. As you mentioned, third and two third and tens. Benny Souls. Uh, oh, well, yeah, third and 10. All the, the coordinator calls. It had nothing to do with the guys on the two third and tens on that result in a 34-yard completion and a 29-yard touchdown. Any hopes of, salvi- of, of getting the one seed? Now, I won't say it's zero chances, but we all see how this team's playing. We all see how the San Francisco 49ers are playing. Uh, the 49ers now 11-3. and three. You're 10-4. and four. Plus, by the way, you don't own the tie break. So you're not getting the one seed unless you get a miracle here. And now you're battling for the Cowboys, two seed or the five seed. But most importantly, you look like a clown organization. 
this week. I mean, let's just call it what it, what yeah. it is. The way they handled this thing, and then to come out and let Drew Locke put that drive together, go 92 yards on you uh, for the game-winning score. Uh, you look like a clown organization, and now we see. I said it after the last game. I said it again yesterday. Nick, Nick Sirianni facing adversity. What does it look like? His move last week was this weird coordinator move. What's the move this week? Anyone walking around Howie Roseman in that building? Guess what? The, the CBC meter, for those of you who didn't listen to the uh, the Phillies uh, podcast, that's the clench butt cheek meter. Oh, those butt cheeks are going to be clenched. Don't say something weird around Howie. Don't get in front of Howie. In the, it's going to be tense in that building this week. I don't know what their answers are. I don't know what this defense is going to look like. This is their easiest stretch, stretch of opposing offenses for the entire season. And I'm still not confident they're good enough uh, to do anything against the Giants and the Cardinals. And last thing, your point, I mean, the pass rush. Are you serious? This is what you're investing in the pass rush. And Drew Locke drops back to pass 35 times and you hit him three times in this game. Jalen Carter, one terrific rep for a sack. Brandon Graham, terrific rep for a sack. Uh, I think he split there with Fletcher Cox. Rest of the game. I mean, Drew Locke is just standing back there, able to do whatever he wants. So I don't think Matt Patricia has the answer. I don't think anyone in that building has the answer. Uh, and I think that this is a team in massive turmoil as we go into the final three weeks of the season. Yeah, I mean, they follow the money, right? The money is in Darius Slay and James Bradbury. Slay's out for this game. Bradbury loses to a rookie wide receiver on the outside for the game-winning play. Previously, Bradbury lost to DK Metcalf on the big throw down the field, right? So uh, you've, like, you, you, you paid the money to Bradbury. You, you have to play man coverage at some point, especially on like downs like third and 10. Like that's just a good man coverage down. You, this is the guy you're paying. Like, they're, they're not even going after Keeley. They're not even third going and after... Third 10, I don't know that you have to... You don't have to play man coverage on third well, and 10. I, I mean, I want to look at the film and see, you know, the calls right. and exactly. But yeah, I mean... So like, or like, I'll put it to you this way. Like early, the I was very curious to see what they were going to look like in, in third and long, right? Because I think that's where there's been a lot of the discussion. The first third and long the Seahawks had, this was their first drive. It was third and nine. They walked out in... They walked out pressed up with two deep safeties, right? Which is the look that like Desai has employed but is not really i think his bread and butter defensively they're very clear like all right we're gonna man up and, and play tight and like again like let's let's pretend we were doing this pod before we saw the final drive if we were doing this pod before the final drive eagles win 17 13 i would have come on here and said you know they they kind of trusted their corners a little bit more than i thought they would right they just kind of let them play out there let them play physical let them play tight and they got some tight coverage like they had good reps from job and they had you know keely quick trigger on dk metcalf like they had Reps were like they left their guys one on one and they were successful. So maybe part of Patricia is just going to be living with the man coverage and letting it ride as they go. As you've brought up many times, they're a bottom five team in, in terms of how they perform when they play man coverage. But maybe that's going to be the, the formula for them. Obviously, I think at the other half of that story is what you said earlier. The Seahawks still should have been challenging this man coverage a lot more than they were. And when yeah. push came to shove, this is a big push coming to shove podcast. When push came to shove and they had to there on that final drive. You 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 reap the benefits expected when you when you challenge Eagles in man coverage, but like defensively, follow the money. Like they need Bradbury to be more successful than he, than he's been this season. The the pass rush, right? Like the uh, remember the Hassan Reddick play today? Me neither. Where was it? Right? Like uh, Reddick has man. Reddick was thumb injury to start the season. Got the cast off. Had three lights out games. Then it's just been nowhere. Right? Uh, like Josh Sweat had the big uh, stop on a big explosive run stop. But other than that, like that, your money's there. Your money's on Fletcher Cox. Draft pick perspective wise, your money's on Jordan Davis and, J and Jalen Carter. Each like Jordan Davis had a great run stop. Jalen Carter had the great win. Each had the one win. 
But in general, as a collective, that's not producing nearly as much as it should. And then and then your 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 highly paid corner is in. So all the money you put in to this 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 defense is is performing under average. And so, like you say, Matt Patricia doesn't have the answer. Nick Sirianni doesn't have the answer. Sean Desai doesn't have the answer. You go get you know Brian Flores in here. Get Mike McDonald in here. Get some of these top defensive coordinators in here that are doing a great job this season. I'm sure they'd they'd be able to do stuff. They'd be able to elevate the floor. But eventually, you need your top players to play like top players. And the Eagles just haven't had that in weeks defensively so if they're if it's like a mentally checked out because of sean Desai's leadership and matt patricia's gonna whip them into shape thing like we talked about this on the emergency pod sure but i didn't see any evidence of that through one week yeah in terms of the changes like you know that what looked different with patricia over Desai, obviously this is one where we'll need to dig into the numbers and the film a little, little bit but uh it did look like they had some kind of defensive line rotation going on way more it was like it was almost like a hockey line where everybody was Mm -hmm. you know running out and then a new group was running in so i i I don't have all those snap numbers in front of me but that was something that certainly looked uh looked different here with the defensive line rotation at cornerback you start james bradbury at one spot slay is out we thought it was going to be keely ringo then you also play uh eli ricks you also play josh job uh you play bradley roby at uh, nickel. It seemed like for all three downs, it didn't seem like that was a take him out uh, on third down there. And then mm-hmm. as Aikman was pointing out, you play a three safety package. Patrick Johnson playing in this game. If you're wondering yeah. who that guy was, number 48 uh, on the field, that was Patrick Johnson. You had to play Shaq Leonard in this the game. Moro Jomo in this game too. Cunningham. A lot of Moro Jomo, it seemed like. I don't know what his yeah. final snaps are. It seemed like he was. So yeah, I don't know. Personnel-wise, now some of this is injury, some of it's not. Uh, it did seem like those were some of the things that were different. All right, if you're 15 minutes in and you want one positive, I kind of thought Keely Ringo looked pretty interesting to me Keely for, settled for in, this yeah. defense. I mean, he had a couple nice plays. He's playing hard. He had one great play against the run. He had one nice pass breakup against DK Metcalf. Again, some of this might be on the Seahawks for not attacking him more. He did not get exposed uh, in coverage. He looked athletic. He looked fast. He looked young. He looked feisty with Eagles defense secondary especially needs all of those things so uh one thing i'm excited to look at the film this week is to see how keely ringo looked because watching live i'm like oh this guy looks like he's got a little juice at least so there you go that's my one positive which i appreciate you saying it because for me it would have sounded fake (laughs) uh according to the true media snap counts moro joma had three snaps marlon had marlon tupelo had three patrick johnson had seven nolan smith had eight milton williams had 14 jalen carter had 16 jordan davis had 21 according to this I feel mm-hmm. like, like it might not be updated all the way yeah, yet, which you don't yeah. know if they are, if, if they, uh, they have 41 total snaps for Bayard, Morrow and Blankenship. So 41 snaps. If Jalen Carter played less than half of the snaps, I don't like the defensive line rotation. I like, I, I understand like, oh, we got to keep him fresh. That to me is not, that's not good policy. I will say, yeah, I think that's not of, fully updated because the yeah. Seahawks had 59 okay. total snaps. So, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, I can keep refreshing that and we can see if we get updated ones. Yeah. Uh, what I will say with, I think, a lot of the defensive line uh, uh, packages that you saw, and you also saw a lot of three safety sets, right? Sidney Brown played a majority of these snaps with Reed and, and, and Kevin Byer not leading the field. Uh, the, the Seahawks did a ton of heavy stuff. They did a ton of 12 personnel and 13 personnel, right? And they like to run out of, that, out of those looks. Uh, if you're not a team that has a third linebacker that you can put on the field, right? The Eagles don't have a base defense. They don't have a, you know, like... Like Patrick Johnson's their Sam linebacker, quote unquote, like Hassan Reddick, quote unquote. But they don't really have like actual three backers. So if you're not going to add an extra heavy body via linebacker when they go with those those tight end sets, you do it on the defensive line. You become a five down front, right? And so that's I think one of the reasons why you saw 
tomorrow, Joe Mo and some Patrick Johnson's because of what the Seahawks were pitching them. I'm not necessarily sure that's like a Patricia indicator. We're going to find out. You know what I'm saying? They're going to get the Giants and they're going to get the Cardinals. And those are teams that will spread it out a little bit. Uh, so so I'll be I'll be curious to see kind of that as it, as it comes through. But I think Seahawks offense probably dictated some of those matchups. All right. Take a little break. Catch our breaths. Breath, breath. Told you I'm struggling. here. All right. We'll be back in a minute. Cash in on balling out this NBA season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Sixers, bad loss against the Bulls uh, on, on Monday night. I will say, Timberwolves game coming up is an important one. I do think Embiid pops off in that one. Look for his points total to go over. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to join. The app is easy to use, and there's a wide range of ways to bet, including quick bets, live same-game parlays, the Parlay Hub, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash RingerPhilly and turn dimes into dollars this season. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. First online real money wager, only $5 pregame money line wager required. Bonus is issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. This episode is brought to you by Ugg. Y'all know Ugg is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think Ugg season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from Ugg. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. Ugg has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the golden collection at Ugg.com. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. All right, we're back here on the Ringers, Philly special. Let's just finish up with the defense here. So you go punt, punt. They get a field goal where you have a DPI on uh, DK Metcalf. Uh, Keely Ringo had a, a couple nice reps, like I mentioned, uh, on that series. Fourth and four, they try to draw the Eagles off sides. They don't do that. It, it looked like somebody jumped. I think it was Fletcher Cox, but they didn't snap the ball. So they almost got the Eagles with that. Uh, and then they kicked the field goal. So that was one scoring drive. Uh, then in the second half, they opened the second half with a nine-play, 75-yard drive where, I mean, listen, I hope Shaq Leonard at some point can get healthy. Uh, he is just, he's a shell of himself. I mean, if you yeah. if you go on YouTube and watch a highlight reel of Shaq Leonard in his prime, it is awesome. It is one of the most fun football players uh, in the fly. NFL. He is not that guy uh, anymore. You know, Kenneth Walker was running hard, breaking tackles. Sidney Brown missing tackles. Uh, and then they had the 23-yard touchdown run by Kenneth Walker uh, there. So that was their their first touchdown of the game. That ties it at 10-10. Uh, they get a field goal later. And that, I mean, that sequence was hilarious where uh, the Seahawks go up to the line. They're about to snap the ball. Pete Carroll thinks they're going to get to delay a game. He calls timeout. That gives Nick Sirianni time to challenge the call where it was a Jalen Carter sack and then the Seahawks have to kick the field goal. At that moment, I thought, all right, the Eagles are going to win this game and this is going to be what we're talking about. I thought the exact uh, opposite thought. I, I had the complete oh, really? opposite thought. Because <laughs> the moment Pete Carroll screws up a second half timeout management, you know the Seahawks 
are going to somehow have a chance to win the game late. The moment everybody always, every time, always hits like the, Pete, you can't do this. Pete, this is bad. Pete, manage the clock. Every single game, 100% of games in which the internet says that, Pete Carroll's team has a game-winning opportunity seven minutes later, without fail. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right there, actually. So uh, they they kicked the field goal there, and then, yeah, and then it comes down mm-hmm. to that last drive. So they had nine possessions. They scored on four of them, two touchdowns, two field goals. Anything else uh, with the defense? This is one where, I, yeah, I feel like we need to get some more um, information, watch the film, and figure out what they actually did. But, uh, I mean, I don't have much hope for this defense being very good the rest of the way or like you said i mean just think about the playoffs lions cowboys god forbid 49 i mean 49ers against this group are you serious i mean they'll put up 35 uh by halftime against them so i don't know i th- that's just where i am at some point you have to look at it and say what is going on with this defensive line you know i know sean decided they were doing more stunting and twisting was are they going to get back to more hey just you know make it less complicated i don't know they were not near drew lock in this game. And that is not a great Seahawks offensive line. They're making every offensive line look really good. I mean, I was talking about how the Cowboys offensive line manhandled them. Anyone watch Cowboys Bills yesterday? Bills got after Dak, Dak Prescott uh, quite a bit. I know Zach Martin yeah. went down in that game, but it's like, man, okay, maybe it's maybe that Cowboys offensive line, I was overrating them a little bit because this Eagles defensive line just isn't that good. So uh, if they can't rush the passer, there are no great answers for this defense. And let's see what the young guys have. In the back end, maybe they can give you some juice, but your, your linebackers are still going to get exposed uh, and you're still going to have issues against most good offense. So that's where I am with the defense. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same spot. We're like dramatically untrustworthy. I would love to see games like, I, like there are universes where their pass rush takes over games. Just we haven't seen it in so long that it's becoming thinner and thinner, harder and harder to remember what it looks like. I would love to see it again. I'm not sure this late in the season with these guys playing this many snaps, we're going to have a chance to. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, it's, it's not even, yeah, it's not even like they have guys injured. Ooh, oh, this guy comes back. No, these guys, everybody. These are their guys. Wa- their and entire remember, pass they, rush is on the field, right? Are yeah, they even missing? I, what, am I missing anything? Well, I'm missing one guy. Who they are missing is Contavia Street and Derek Barnett, which isn't like, that's not a meaningful, those aren't meaningful people. I don't bring them up because they're like impactful <laughs> people. What I, what I, I say that to say at the middle of the season this year, they said to themselves, wow, our defensive line is so great. We're in such a good spot that we can move off of some of our depth, right? The whole thing is we're going to be too deep on the defensive line. We're going to be able to have these hockey line shifts. We're going to be able to, to split snaps. And then they said, oh, you know, the Falcons desperately need a, a, a D team. We can get some picks for Kendavia Street. Send him. They straight cut Derek Barnett. Like, all right, Barnett's not going to be a part of our plans anymore. Now, all of a sudden, we're getting this like, oh, this, their defensive line is gassed thing where it's like, all right, well. Uh, two months ago, y'all didn't think this was going to be an issue. And now all of a sudden, here we are. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it goes back to what you said earlier. The, their best players have to play better. They have to make more of an impact. They are not doing that right now, specifically up front with the pass rush. So that's the defense. All right. The offense. Jalen Hurts, you know, it starts out. All right, he's going to play. You admire the toughness. He looks terrible on the side. And I couldn't decide if it, if it was, this is just how Jalen Hurts always looks. Or does Jalen Hurts look like he is very ill uh, and is not going to be able to get through this game? They come out. They have a terrific opening drive. 15 plays, 75 yards. He's throwing the ball while he's ru- he runs the ball on the first play of the first possession despite the illness. So then you get to the fourth quarter here, Benny Souls. Two decisions. Two very, very bad, difficult, criticism-worthy decisions by Jalen Hurts. Let's start with the first one. 
You're up 17-13. You're moving the football. You picked up a couple of first downs on this drive. There is eight minutes and 15 seconds left. You're at the Seattle 45. And I, in an ideal world there, I mean, I'm talking game management, giving yourself the best chance to win. You're taking time off the clock. And then hopefully you're scoring a touchdown at the end of the drive. Yet on first and 10 from the Seattle 45, they believe this is a good time to dial up a shot play to Quez freaking Watkins. Jalen Hurts lets it rip. Get, you know, Watkins gets his jersey tugged a little bit, whatever. It wasn't, it wasn't egregious. Could have been called for sure. Wasn't called. Julian Love with the interception. I mean, is it just as simple as it seems in terms of why? What are you doing there? Time and place for a call like that? Uh, did you have issue with the call? Is that a Brian Johnson thing? Is that a Sirianni thing? Is that a Jalen Hurts thing? Is that a Quez Watkins thing? What were you thinking as that play unfolded? Well, firstly, since it's me, it's always a Quez Watkins thing. I just don't, <laughs> like, I cannot, man. Everybody like, oh, wow, did Quez, Quez got bullied at the catch point. Like, oh, can't Quez fight harder for the ball? No, we've seen this for a long time. <laughs> Never, okay? Absolutely not. I will say, so like, you know, first and 10, once you pass the midfield is like pretty common shot play territory. I This was not like shot or nothing, though. This was not like, Hard play action. We run two routes. They both go down the field. We are launching this sucker. This was, hey, you know, Quez is running the Quez is running to the far corner, right? Quez is going to cross the field, go corner. Like he's in the read. He's part of the progression. You can throw it to him. But they have intermediate routes and they have checkdowns, right? This was not like when 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 you say shot play, you're right to say shot play. But there are some shot plays that are like, hey, it is just the shot. Two guys, yeah. max protection. Yeah. <laughs> this was this was five in the concept. This was. Our quarterback, we're going to give you the opportunity to throw a dagger here if you've got a dagger. We're also going to leave, have Dallas Goddard and Kenneth Gainwell turn around at the, at the line of scrimmage, which if this had been a pressure look, those guys probably would have stayed in and would have looked a little bit more shot. But still, like, A.J. Brown's like a 10-yard curl. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it, Quez is in the progression, but this is not like you got to throw it here. Hurts chose to throw this ball. And at, at, take, take the names off the chalkboard, take the names off the field and just put it on the chalkboard. You get speed from three, right? That 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 inside receiver, that slot receiver screaming down the field against a quarter safety. You generally like the look. Like that's the like it's not a bad this is a, a similar route to he threw AJ Brown on the touchdown against the Chiefs, right? In the Super Bowl. Like it you like the leverage so you can throw it with the names not on the play. Once you put the names on the play, just don't trust Quez. Don't the just you you are a second contract quarterback and generally a very risk averse quarterback. This is not the sort of thing you tend to like. Like obviously you throw a lot of trust balls to AJ Brown, but in general you don't like to put the ball in harm's way. Allegedly, like that Hurts has always been like the low interception guy. There's there's no 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 reason to to land on your back foot, see Quez, Julian Love, and say yeah, like, this is what I got to do right now. There's just no reason for it. And so a Stop dialing up plays for Quez. B, don't call a play that gives the quarterback an opportunity to, to shoot and, and to go down the field when you really don't need a dagger. You just need to eat clock. That's what you guys are good at. You're not, you're not, you, you didn't get here. You didn't get to 10 and 3. You didn't get a Super Bowl last year by throwing daggers in the fourth quarter when it was a one score lead. You got here by sitting on the daggum football, by being able to salt the clock away on, on three play series, four play series, just inching out first downs, walking down the field. So A, no Quez. B, do what you're good at. Then C, Jalen Hurts, don't throw this. Just dump it to Qu just, just dump it to Kenny. 
dump it to Goddard, run around for a little bit, second and seven, keep the clock running. So everybody stinks on that play. Well said. I, I would agree with that. So you get And it's the not even the worst one. The other one's worse. Yeah. All right. So, well, the other thing is, so you throw the interception, the defense actually gets you three and out. I know we were killing the defense. Like you said, if we were talking about this defense before that last drive, you wouldn't have made the case. I wouldn't have made the case that they were much improved or that Matt Patricia made a difference. But we could have at least said, you know what? They held the Seahawks to 13 points. All right. It's a bad opponent. It's a back. Uh, it's a it's a backup quarterback. But you at least did what you were supposed to do. Uh, we could have said that. So they did get a stop here, uh, forced to three and out after the interception. That was a nice job by them. Then Eagles get the football back and they go seven plays, 25 yards on the next drive. That's it. I mean, they got the ball back with 635. You just said the team we know, the good team we know is able to really, you know, like like just that clock is going to be uh, ticking and ticking and ticking and you're going to pick up more first downs and ideally you don't even give the opponent the ball back. Well, they weren't able to do that. You know, they they, they get a couple first downs. Let's say they got one uh, first down here. They got a second first down uh, and then they run the ball twice for a total of three yards. And then Jalen Hurts incomplete to Dallas Goddard on third and seven. I think that was the play where he ran around for like 11 seconds there, went to the right, came all the way back to the left, fired one to Dallas Goddard and nothing. So then fourth and seven from the 50, you end up punting there. So uh, you don't do anything with that possession. And then the last possession, I mean, you have Bert, you have a big hurt scramble for 20 yards. You still have two timeouts. There's 13 seconds left. You have a kicker who literally is, has kicked 59-yard field goals in this the, is the rain. This is the part that drives me to nut, the most nuts thing, is I was so ready for Jake Elliott hype. I was so ready to victory lap Jake Elliott, and they took it from me. First and 10 from your own 45. Again, 13 seconds left, two timeouts remaining, your own 45. So let's see, you need to get uh, five. Uh, what do you need to do? You need to get till maybe like they're 41. So you're talking about uh five and not about 14 yards let's say you need you have 13 seconds to pick up 14 yards with two timeouts and you have a shot to kick a field goal to go to overtime jalen hurts chucks one to aj i mean to aj brown down the right sideline being covered by trey brown julian love close enough to close on the play makes a terrific interception game over i have not seen enough replays uh, of this one, I think someone was texting me that Devonte Smith was open for a much easier completion. What was your read on that play? The decision to be that aggressive in that spot from Jalen? Uh, okay, so positives. It is better to throw it to AJ Brown than to Quez Watkins. I agree with the decision True. to be I like, all right, that. what if instead we threw it to 11 and not 16? I absolutely love that. That's number one. Number two, there is, uh, this is this is just absolutely dreadful situational football because the it's a three point game and there's 13 seconds left. The value of getting the ball to the 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 Seahawks 40 is enormous, right? Because we are now in field goal range, we can kick this. The value of getting the ball from the 40 to the 30 is also nice because all right now you made the field goal go from like he's probably gonna hit it or he maybe gonna hit it to like oh he's definitely gonna hit this like this is a very makeable field goal anything beyond that is has very little utility unless it's in the end zone yeah right it, it there's there's like which 
I, like certainly if they had caught if he catches it at the 16 and it's like all right timeout now we get to attempt a 33 yard field goal like that feels great but again from a situational football perspective you don't know where you are but you're in the huddle going okay this is what's important to us that area of the field is not the, the like it, it, we, we start to lose value the further downfield we're throwing this especially with two timeouts because we can go catch out of bounds catch straight go down timeout and then do it again right 13 it's tight it's absolutely tight but you can get the ball out, go down, and have eight seconds on the clock. That gives you plenty of time to go quick out route, quick curl route, throw that timeout. Like there is absolutely clock for two plays because you have the two timeouts. So to go three step and launch to AJ, it implies you're down seven. It implies you're down four. It doesn't. It, it it does not make sense relative to the situation, relative to the context. Now, pre-snap, right? Where like they they, they snap the football, the the uh, the Seahawks rotate to to single high, and so you have AJ kind of on this this out and up look against single high like you you kind you like it because it's AJ and, and you're getting the isolated corner theoretically but they on 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 two, uh, three drives previous they have a third and eight and they try to hit AJ on this out and up but it didn't work person put the ball in the right spot so they, they just go back to it again even though they already weren't successful throwing this ball you have the entire field to work with and time to work with if you just if you just go Goddard now over the middle of the field and just catch a run and fall down 11 yards, which is available to you because the Seahawks are going to give you that area. They're going to protect the sidelines and they're going to protect the deep areas of the field. You get second and one from the Seahawks 46 and it's just one play to get, even, even from there, you're going to attempt a 63 yarder and you're going to get the opportunity to tie this game. It is inexcusably bad situational football from a second contract quarterback. And, and, and this is not the guy that Hurts is. Right, like I don't like, I don't know what he's got, but it feels like it addled him because this is just weird to sit bad, wrong decision making for a dude who's not the backup quarterback in this game. The other guy is. You should not be making this throw. No, he he had to be fair. He's, he has had some of those moments this year, you know, against the. I mean, not exactly like this, but there have been some for uh, the Jets game. He has the big interception in the fourth quarter, the Patriots game even, uh, for week one. He had the fumble in the fourth quarter that kind of keeps him in it. But uh, I'm with you. He had the decisions here. Now, usually I'm the guy who, when Hurts is being aggressive and the people on TV are telling me, no, no, take the, you got to take the easy stuff. He had stuff underneath. I'm the one saying, well, if it's A.J. Brown or Devontae Smith or Dallas Goddard, you know what? I want him to be aggressive. I don't want him to just check it down. However, it's time and place, and I'm with you. I mean, in that spot right there, like the goal is to get into field goal range and kick a field goal. The odds of getting a touchdown in that spot are so low that it really shouldn't even be on your radar. Like if something weird happens and you get there, then fine, but that's not the goal. The goal is to get in. You have 13 seconds. I mean, you're talking about two plays in that spot uh, to get into field goal range. You don't want, and you have, you have the two timeouts. You don't need to throw he was working the middle of the field in this game, I thought, as well as he had all season. I was like, oh, they noticed what the rest of us have noticed, that, hey, the, you know, when teams are playing these two high shells against you, you can work the middle of the field a little bit more, and you have Dallas Goddard available. Like That was looking good, I thought, for oh, three quarters of this game. I thought it was something that was really working for them. And then with the game on the line there, uh, when that's really what you need to be doing, just get a completion, get some yards, set yourself up for the next play to kick the field goal. You just try to take the shot there down the right sideline. So uh, I'm with you. Um, again, he, he was playing through something bad, illness, IV, fluids, whatever. You can take that into account. At the same time, we judge like what we see on the field. And 
that is a performance worth being uh, very critical of. Two interceptions yeah. in the fourth quarter in, in a game where you just need to like stop the bleeding and get your season back on track. That is not what you want to see from the yeah. quarterback making $50 million a year. Now, read-wise, right? Because it's, it's, it's they run Quez over the middle of the field. He pulls coverage. He had single high. You have out from Devontae Smith on one side. And then from AJ on the other side, you have out and up, right? And so read-wise, what you're, what you're saying is, uh, Jalen, if you get single high and you get man coverage, you can take that out and up to AJ. Like, we, just, we, we like that. Like we, we, AJ's our, follow the money. AJ's our, our star player. We're going to do that. So I think design-wise, just in, uh, in function of the play, that's an acceptable read. In function of the context, I don't think it is. I prefer like Devontae on the actual outbreaking route because it happens faster. It takes less time. It involves not the deep safety. It's a true one-on-one, uh, which then brings you to the Brian Johnson question where it's like, why is every third down in the second half just A.J. Brown one-on-one? It's can we do, all season long. This can is we what, this do, is all can we they do, do. something, dude? Like, can we do... They do nothing. Can we do Look at what something. the 49ers do to maximize their skill position players. There is none of that. And they, when they don't score a touchdown, it's a shocker. Now, all right. I mean, I could easily make the argument that you're like, all right, you don't have McCaffrey that your wide receivers and your tight end are as good as those guys. And look at what they're doing with Brock Purdy in an offensive line that's not as good as yours. How do you not look at that, sit down on a Sunday, watch that game, and go, we're not doing our jobs well enough designing and scheming and executing this offense to help our guys get better opportunities. I mean, it's just ISO route after ISO route after uh, nobody on the move, nobody in the middle of the field coming through the quarterback's vision, being able to make play. It's, it's every time. That, that's their right. only move. It's been all season long. It can work. Yes, it can work. There are going to be games where you're going to put up 400 yards of offense doing just that, and it's no big deal. But there are also going to be times when it doesn't work, and there's been too many times this year where it hasn't worked, and there's been no plan B. And it's absolutely fair to question. Nick Sirianni has been an excellent head coach three years here, uh, his record, all that. It's absolutely fair to question who this guy is as an offensive designer and whether he has a plan B and whether he can give yeah. you an edge with scheme. I mean, think about what this offense would look like if you had mediocre skill position players or a mediocre offensive line. Would they have any answers? Would I be putting Nick Sirianni in the more with less club? I don't think so. It certainly yeah. doesn't look that way based on what we're seeing. No, they're the more Sorry to interrupt you. No, I know, but you were you were very right too because that's like that's kind of where we where where we land here. I think when you take a lot of the frustrations from this season, your discrete frustrations. Okay, the Cowboys game, Jets game, Niners game, Seahawks game. When you take them to like the logical conclusion of like, all right, it's February, it's March, it's the off season. What do we do? You're not moving off Jalen because you gave Jalen the deal. You're not moving off AJ. Like we're talking about a lot of stuff. It, the realities are the realities. So now it becomes okay. You have to. What ancillary stuff can you do to to make the guys you've committed to work? One of the answers is like get a real wide receiver three, get a real like actual, you know, field stretching guy who isn't Quez Watkins. Ano but another answer is get a coordinator who is capable of making an offense like this as this is designed work, because this is the Steichen to Brian Johnson difference. It's just Steichen was just unbelievably good on Sundays at calling the right plays for the right situations. And we're talking about the second Jalen Hurts interception. There should never have been a second Jalen Hurts interception because the Eagles got the ball 635 left in the fourth quarter. The Seahawks had one timeout, and they should be able to win the game on that drive. They, they should. Other offenses in the league shouldn't. They're not, they're not equipped for that. The Eagles are, and they've proven that to us time and time and time again. 
and the, and and they got a third and one conversion on 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 a on a tush push right and they're they're, they're starting to salt the clock, the game away and then you go first and ten the three yard run from uh from Swift second and seven he gets stopped behind line of scrimmage third and seven now and like they're not wrong to pass it this <coughs> that's a clear pass spot but this is one where like it shouldn't be a Jalen Hurts three step drop and then all of a sudden he's immediately out of a clean pocket or running around screwing around back there there should be a high percentage play that gets the ball into a playmaker's hands that allows the clock to continue running while you get a first down you were calling him in the first quarter. They were, they were hurts through like his first like six passes, like five of them were behind the line of scrimmage. And it was just, okay, if you're going to give us cushion, we're just going to take it. And then they, the, the Seahawks changed nothing defensively and the screens went away. Like, Johnson just constantly loses the thread in a game. Right? And I don't even think it's like on script, out of script stuff. I think like he just starts to feel itchy when like when AJ Brown hasn't had a chance for a 40 yard Moss. And then he's like, all right, we got to get this done. Right? Like Swift looked great all night. It should have been, or from the first half, it should have been okay, but we can see what's working here. Like every time we're getting Jason Kelsey on Bobby Wagner in space, like we are going to tote the rock, brother. And they got away from it. They got away from that drive. They got away from the second half. It should have been a heavy screen game. It should have been heavy Goddard underneath game. He had nine targets, Goddard did. But in general, they get, they get, they, they find what works and they get away from it. Last year, the Eagles used to run to what worked. This year, it feels like they always get, they always flee it. And that is not the way it should go. Yeah, I think it's fair to criticize both aspects of it. You generally are pointing to the uh, calls during the course of a game. And I think you're right about that. I think that's fair. I think that's valid. I generally will point more towards the design uh, of the offense overall, which I think Sirianni has a big hand. And honestly, it's fair to criticize uh, both those things. I think both of those things are, um, you know, worthy of being criticized. And also, like, you know, Sirianni, offensive coach, first time offensive coordinator for you, like, are you are you like you gotta have your hand in there it's yeah. i know it i know it's a feel i know it's about the course of a game but we're in week 15 this this is not week four here anymore like what are you doing to help solve this problem you know they, so, they, they got know. they they have to have better designer stuff man like they are a good team when they're in their base downs well okay like first and ten second and six third and three certainly third and one like you know they they're a good team on that when they are in a gotta have it down, they are so stinky. Where it, it it's just like, all right, AJ, save me, please. AJ, AJ, where are you? AJ, catch the ball. Like that's just that that like rub routes, RBOs, just basic stuff. Like like let's just flick some switches, turn some levers, spin some dials. Get some whiz bangs going. Just there, the the lack of juice, the lack of creativity. That there's there's very little assistance that comes from the sideline, both in terms exactly. of play sequencing and design uh, for, for the players that are on the field, which is bad. Period, and then it's especially bad when you're getting poor Jalen Hurts performances, which they've been getting a few of over the last several weeks. Uh, and so, like that, to me, like that's the number one spot where there's uh, visibility right now offensively. It's got to be offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator. It's, it's, it's the same thing on that side of the ball. Yeah, I mean, third down, if you look at all the numbers, they've been very good this year, but you don't watch them and go, oh, they schemed something up. It's always just, and, and it's, I understand it's a matchup league. You have great players, let them win. Um, but in some, even in this game, they're nine for 16 on third down. Like overall, that, that's a great, you would, you'd love to be nine for 16 on third down. But just overall, there's just so much room to help your best players be great that they're not pushing those buttons nearly enough to be you know like like there there should i mean this seahawks defense stinks i mean they came in 26th i think in defensive dvoa go look at what good offenses yeah. did to them 
in recent weeks. And they didn't have De- Devon Witherspoon, what like literally might be their best defensive player uh, this year. They're benching Tariq Woolen, pulling him in and out of the lineup. They don't have Uchenna Nwosu, their best uh, edge defender who got injured earlier in the year. Like if you are a good offense, it should never come down to whether you can stop Drew Locke. I mean, you want to stop him on a 92-yard drive, but it shouldn't have even come down to that. You should have had a bigger cushion. You should have been able to put more points on the board, uh, and yeah. they did not do that. Giving up, Scoring only 17 on Seattle is more embarrassing to me than giving up 20 to Drew Locke. That's like, embarrassing. Yeah. 17 like, on this, on this the, Seahawks. The way they did it is more embarrassing defensively, but the final score, like the actual <laughs> product, scoring only 17 on Seattle is. They had no explosive pass to show. They had one. They had one explosive play of twenty yards, which was the Jalen Hurts run before the game sealing interception. Uh, no explosives, wow. right? Functionally, yeah. right? You, they're Holy in prevent. Cow. They're in prevent defense with twenty eight seconds left. Functionally, they had zero ex, zero plays over twenty yards in this game. They had uh, the one Jalen Hurts explosive run to start the game, and then DeAndre Swift had an eleven yard run. And so, if you're counting explosive runs as ten plus yards, they had two in like functional real game time, and then. Uh, the AJ Brown's long was 15, Devontae 17, Dallas Carter 18. They had no explosive passes. One, they had one play of 20 plus yards in this game. Yes, and it was the second, the penultimate play. It doesn't even do you know, count. Do you know how many the 49ers had on the Seahawks last week? Six. 11. That's more than six. <laughs> 11. The most of any team in a game this season, and you come back and you have one? Oh. One? After they had 11? And by the way, you had 10 of 11 starters on the field. The only guy you didn't have is Cam Jurgens. Yeah. Which, is, by the way, Sewell injury was riddle. rough tonight, but that's not important. Was now. he? I don't even know. Yeah, he I had mean, a tough yeah. one. Oh, my God. He had 10 of 11 starters. Uh, listen, they're in a bad spot. You can, you, if you are one of those glass half full type people, <laughs> then you could say they're 10 and four. They still have time to win these last three games before the season. If you would have told me 13 and four, you'd be happy with that. That's fine. If you want to go that route, that's fine. That's not what this season feels like to me right now. When you've lost three in a row, you're making panic moves. Your quarterback's not playing well. You don't have answers on defense. You can still win those last three games. Um, I'm not taking you seriously right now. Let's see what it looks like in a few weeks. Maybe I'll change my mind. You still have the, you're still healthy enough on offense where if you figure stuff out, you can get into a rhythm. You can be a really good offense going into the postseason, and that can give you a chance with Jalen Hurts. But uh, other than that, I don't know how you feel great about this team right now. Yeah. All right, Solak, any final words? Car- uh, G- Giants, Cardinals, Giants, win those three, win the con- division, great. I don't know how you look yourself in the mirror and feel good about your chances in a postseason <laughs> environment at any point until you get to the wild card round. And the wild card, you're going to get a seven seed if you, if you win the next three games. And it's going to be the Nick Mullins Vikings. And first, yeah, I'm like terrified what Brian Flores is going to do. But like, like, even if you win that and you beat the Nick Mullins Vikings, I don't know how you turn around the next week and, you, and you've got Dallas as the five seed and you feel good about where, where you're sitting, even with a home game. Like, it's, gonna be, it's just going to be so hard to reorient. This is the worst the team has felt the last two years and the playoffs start in four weeks. So it's just, you're, you're just in such a bad spot culture-wise, such a bad spot internal feeling-wise. It, like, if they get the Rams as the seven seed and beat them, that's like the most, that's the best way to like give some legitimacy to the team before they see Dallas. And even then it's, it's a, it's a moderate amount. So this, this was the game that you needed even against the Drew Lock led Seahawks team. This is Pete Carroll. It's a good team. It's a well-coached team. Like this was the game you needed to be like, all right, we we're, we're figuring some stuff out and they lost it. And even if they 
beat up on the Cardinals, Giants, Cardinals, Giants. I don't think they're going to be able to reclaim that that bluster, reclaim that bravado uh, before the, the playoffs start. Yeah, you wanted some good good feelings after this game, even if it was like, oh, it's only Drew Locke. Like, all right, then go beat the Drew Locke-led Seahawks by like two touchdowns, get some stuff going, and then get yourself going in the right direction in the final three. That did not happen. Instead, quarterback throws two interceptions in the fourth quarter, and you give up a game-winning 92 yard drive curious i'm curious to see what sirianni let's see what you got adversity strikes you push one button last week what button are you pushing this week what's it going to look like mm-hmm. down the stretch the rest of the season there are a lot of uh longer term ramifications that we can get into eventually we don't need to do that right now all right hopefully that wasn't too depressing for you maybe depressing is exactly what I don't think you, any Eagles fans are out there looking for like a podcast to make them feel yeah, better. Yeah, I agree. They, we're with seeing that. red. We're seeing yeah, red. Yeah. yeah, I agree with that. All right, Cliff, you signed on. Was that just? Uh, did you have something to say, or were you just uh, uh, saying I, hello? I, I see. I thought I thought you were about to wrap it up, but oh I yeah, we some, are. Yeah, yeah. I do got something to say though. Like this, <laughs> this is all pathetic, right? This all starts from the week that <laughs> you 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 demote your DC. You have him up in the booth looking crazy on TV. You got Bradbury, your big money guy, who's getting targeted. And meanwhile, you have a fourth round rookie who's the size of Kai Sinat, like five seven, little as hell. He's not getting targeted. DK you talking about Keely? Yeah, Keely six one. Put some respect on the name. <laughs> he looks like he, he looks like he's the size of Kai Sinat. Keely is six one two ten. He is my son, and I <laughs> no, love him. No, he's not. He, he, he's two ten. Come on, Ke- dog. Keely Ringo mock draftable, 6'1 and three quarters, 207. He's <laughs> a, a big lot. young boy. He's he he a big dr- young he must, man. He must have drank like four gallons of water before that way, yeah. and that's a lie. He does not weigh no two, 207. He probably, he probably plays like a little, just a scotch north of 200, but 6'1 exactly. for real. <laughs> but any, anyways, like beyond that, it, this is just all pathetic, man. Like we're about to go into the playoffs. You don't have a real offense. You have A.J. Brown, who's complaining all earlier this season about not getting the ball. Now he's getting all the targets. I see him chilling on the sideline, not yelling at nobody, not snapping on nobody. I see Bradbury getting cooked. I see Slade getting, you know, surgery. I don't see anything from the pass rush. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, it's like, what is going on here, man? Like, what are we doing? This is all a disaster. <laughs> and not for nothing, we got to face uh, Tommy DeVito, Danny DeVito, whoever DeVito's. In the next couple of weeks, Christmas Day. <laughs> gosh, gosh, I'm I'm panicking right now. I don't, I don't even know what all to right. believe. This is just right. this is just all around bad. I I have I have no faith in what's going to, what's left of the season right now. As, as sad right. as it is, maybe we can turn it around versus Giants. Maybe they get a good dub against Johnny Gans on New Year's Eve. But right now, I'm, I'm just I'm speechless, guys. I'm I'm just uh, I'm floored. I'm floored. Just put there it that you way. Go. You said it all. All right. Thank you to Ace Producer. Cliff Augustine, thank you to Benny Souls, Benny Pencils. People liked Benny Pencils from the last pod. Got some, uh, got some notes about that. That was very good. Uh, we'll be back later in the week. Look at the film. What did Matt Patricia actually do? There could be some news this week. Who knows? I mean, they're making news. They're making moves. So we'll be back to break it all down. All right. Thanks to everyone uh, for listening. We'll talk to you soon on the Ringers Philly Special.
Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT-STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. Or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.